Last week we looked at chapter 11 of the Gospel of John, looking at the first part of the chapter, which is the hard part of the story. That Jesus chose not to heal his sick friend Lazarus, even though he could have. And we focused on the big question that we have to wrestle with in life, and that is why does God allow us to suffer when he could easily prevent our suffering? It's a hard question. But thankfully, it's not a question the Bible shies away from. It's a question the Bible gives us answers to. And so we looked at that last week, but this week we're continuing to look at chapter 11, and we get to look at the good part, that Jesus raised his friend Lazarus from the dead. And this is my absolute favorite scripture to share at funerals. And I choose other passages from time to time for variety's sake, but this is my favorite. And it's my favorite because in this passage, Jesus shows us essentially the complete toolkit for dealing with death. That Jesus is meeting mourning, grieving people, and he provides all of the comfort needed in all of the different ways it is needed. And so if you will, please open up your Bibles or your bulletins. We're going to be in John 11. We're looking at verses 17 through 44. And we get to read the story of Jesus raising Lazarus. John chapter 11, we're going to start in verse 17. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. 
And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out. His hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your sure and certain word that we are reading, not some fable, not some fictional story, but a true event of history. We are reading of a man raised to life by Jesus Christ. And God, we pray that you would please help us to hear your words today. Lord, use me in spite of my sin to proclaim your word faithfully and clearly. May your word go forth in the power of the Spirit, not in my own weakness, but your power, O God. And I pray that you would give us ears to hear and hearts and minds ready to receive your truth. For God, many of us are hurting. Perhaps the hurt has healed from time But we have all lost someone we love. We have all felt the sting of death. We know that the good news is so good because of the bad news that it answers. And so God, in the pain that we feel and the struggle we face with death, would you give us hope in Christ as we hear your word today? In Jesus' name, amen. We have a wonderful passage today, and Jesus shows us just how capable he is at comfort. And so this family of at least three siblings we know of, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, each get their time with Jesus. And so we're going to go in sibling order here. We don't know if that's age order, but at least Jesus order. And we're going to look at what Jesus did for Martha, what he did for Mary, and finally what he did for Lazarus, and how he shows in each of those relationships how he is capable of addressing the big problem of death. So first, he encounters Martha. Jesus arrives after Lazarus has been dead and buried for four days. 
And he's getting close to the town of Bethany where Lazarus is buried. But even before he gets to town, Martha runs out to him. She had heard Jesus was close and she wanted to see him. She wanted that comfort she knew Jesus could provide. And Martha runs to Jesus and she says to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Now, on the surface, it sounds like Martha is saying two things. It sounds like she is first blaming Jesus for not healing her brother. Hey, if you had been here, we wouldn't be doing this. And then second, it sounds like she is saying, but I totally expect you to raise him from the dead very soon. Now, we can read it that way in large part because we know what happens with the rest of the story, but that does not track with what we expect in this moment. It doesn't fit with what we know about these characters in this moment. You see, by saying, if you had been here, Martha isn't blaming Jesus because he wasn't there. She's grieving the fact that he was absent. Knowing that Jesus certainly could have healed him. So in that way, she's not rebuking him. She's actually expressing faith. I know that if you were here... Lazarus would have been healed. There is more faith than rebuke there. And the same thing with the second phrase. She is saying, even though you weren't here, I still trust in you. I know that God sent you. I still believe in who you are. She's not expecting Jesus to raise her brother from the dead. He wasn't going around just raising everybody from the dead who happened to die recently. She's simply stating My brother's death has not caused my faith in you to waver. And in this way, Martha actually shows us someone who is grieving well. She turns to Jesus, acknowledging you could have prevented my grief and suffering. But she also continues to confess, I still trust you, even though I am suffering. So instead of turning from a God that she could see as someone who disappointed her, she runs to him and knows he will comfort me. She holds on to what she believes to be true. And she listens to him for words of hope. And Jesus gives Martha words of hope. He tells her, your brother will rise again. Which certainly has a double meaning there. Martha, understandably, is thinking about the last day when the Bible tells us the dead will be raised for final judgment. And she holds on to the hope that death is not the end for all people. That a day is coming when Lazarus' soul will be reunited with his body to new and everlasting life. And so she holds on to these words of hope. These words of hope that give us comfort when we face death, knowing God will defeat death at the end. And many of us want words of hope when a loved one dies. We want to know that our loved one is in a better place. We want to take comfort from the fact that our loved one is no longer suffering. Many want to be comforted by the belief that something good is waiting beyond death. And this is what Martha seemed to be looking for. Her sister Mary, however needed a different form of comfort. 
So Martha received these words of hope, but Mary needed something else. You see, Mary did not run to Jesus. She remained in the house. We're not told exactly why she didn't go after Jesus. She may have just been exhausted. It had been a rough week or two. She may have been catering to guests even while she was seated, as we are told. But when Martha tells Mary that Jesus is asking for her, Mary goes to him. A number of people follow her out of the house, and they likely overhear Mary say the exact same words as her sister. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Again, Mary does not seem to be blaming Jesus as much as wishing things had been different. She's just devastated by her grief. She's physically and emotionally drained. She's been pouring out sadness and loss for days. And we can see the pain in the text. We read in verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. She takes Jesus to the tomb and he weeps. Jesus shares Mary's grief. He cries with her. He enters into her pain and loss that he too is saddened by Lazarus' death. He was his friend. He is saddened by the sister's loss. And so Mary is comforted by Jesus' sympathy. She is comforted by his compassionate care. She needed someone to give her a shoulder to cry on. And we can appreciate that as well. We appreciate when family and friends are with us in our times of grief. Just last week, we had my grandmother's funeral, and I shared many tearful hugs with family and friends, feeling that love and loss together, that we did not want to feel it alone, but feel it together. And Jesus knows we need that kind of comfort in death, and he shows he gives it to Mary. But I want us to see that Jesus is not just comforting her in sadness. Jesus is more than just sad. You see, we are inclined to equate the weeping, the tears of verse 35, that nice, short, easy memory verse, Jesus wept. We are inclined to equate those tears of sadness with verses 33 and 38, where it says Jesus was deeply moved. But the idea behind deeply moved is not sadness, Anger. That Jesus is experiencing intense anger at the situation. Not anger at Mary, but at death itself and death's power over this fallen world. That even though death happens to all people, Jesus is not resigned to seeing it as a normal part of life. He hates death. Death is wrong. It is terrible. It hurts and is unnatural. It is not the way that God designed the world. And so Jesus is intensely angry at death. He hates that people have to grieve their loved ones. Remember, Jesus did not come just to battle sin. He came to battle sin and death. 
It is one of our greatest enemies, an enemy that Jesus came to conquer. And so Jesus not only comforts her with a sympathetic sadness in that shoulder, but also sharing the anger that is underneath our sadness that these kinds of horrible things have to happen. And so when we are faced with the death of loved ones, some of us tend to be more like Mary, and others of us tend to be more like Martha. We find ourselves in one of those two spots often, or at least leaning towards one of them. Some of us, like Martha, want words of hope. Just tell me something encouraging, comforting. Let me believe in something that's better than what's going on in front of my eyes. Others of us are more like Mary, that we want a friend to cry with us or express anger at the situation we find ourselves in. And so we as believers can and should, by God's grace, do that for our friends and family and fellow Christians. To offer words of hope and to share in the sadness and frustration. But as helpful as those forms of comfort are, they fail to address the root problem of death. They manage the problem. They do not fix the problem. It makes me think of, in the last month, how our dishwasher was broken. It was leaking. We noticed because the basement was raining. And that was a problem. And so, because, you know, I'm amazing, I tried to fix it myself. Or at least manage the problem. And so one of the ways we managed the problem was, all right, well, we need to wipe up the water in the basement and on the floor. And so we did well. We wiped up the water and it caused the brokenness of the dishwasher not to be so bad. And then we needed some other way to fix it. And so we put a little cup under the spot where the leak was to catch the water dripping so it would not spread further. And all of that managed the problem. And it was fine. We could keep going that way, except for crawling under there and pulling that cup out, emptying it, put it back under. Like, it wasn't great, but it worked. But when I tried to actually fix the dishwasher, it broke. It got worse. Because I don't have the power to fix that problem. And in the same way with death, we can't fix death. We can manage it. We can offer words of hope to people. We can cry with them. We can't fix it. Good luck trying. But Jesus, He didn't just offer words of hope. He didn't just cry with Mary. He came and He fixed death. Because He didn't just go to each sister. He went to Lazarus. And for the dead man, Jesus showed He had the power to fix and conquer death. And so he goes to the tomb and he is deeply moved by anger again. He is facing down his enemy, death. And he has them roll away the stone and Martha tells him the smell of decay has already begun. Jesus is not worried about the smell. Jesus is not afraid of death. Death should be afraid of Jesus. And then so all the people around could hear Jesus prays to the Father. Not to be showy like the Pharisees, not to flaunt his power, but to, like Elijah, identify the connection of this power to give life. I thank you, Lord, my Father, 
that you have given me the power to raise the dead. I thank you that you have sent me to help not just manage the problem of death, but conquer death itself. And so as he performs this climactic miracle in front of all of these people, all of them will now know God has sent this man to conquer death. And so Jesus then cries out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Now we heard the story already. We know what verse 44 says. We know how the story ends. But take a minute to appreciate the absurdity of what is happening up until this verse. It has been four days since Lazarus last took a breath. Since he last moved. Since he was there, in a sense. The crowd might have looked at Jesus telling Lazarus to come out and been like, dude, he's gone. You can't bring him back. He can't hear you anymore. That Lazarus was dead like any other man, woman, or child before him who had died. I actually think we really struggle with this because of the fictional stories we love in our world. That in superhero movies, in Harry Potter and other fantasy stories, that one who died comes back. We've seen it so many times. We expect it. But that doesn't happen. Death is undefeated. It wins every time. And yet, we read, the man who had died came out. That Jesus brought Lazarus back to life. That he was dead. But now he is alive. Lazarus was still wrapped loosely in the cloth, proving that this is the same body that had been buried. And Jesus tells other people, you go put your hands on him. You free him. I want you touching and unwrapping this gift of life to see with your own eyes and touch with your own hands that what just happened is not a hologram. It is not fake. It is real. That he is alive. And in that act, Jesus proved that his words of hope to Martha are true. That I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Connecting to last week, this is the reason Jesus did not heal Lazarus earlier. He wanted to reveal His glory as the Son of God sent to conquer sin and death. And so the raising of Lazarus shows that Jesus has power over death. That's an important lesson to learn at this point in time. Because just a few weeks later, death would come for Jesus. Just a few weeks later, it would be His body placed in a tomb and covered with a stone. Just a few weeks later, the voice that called a man who was dead back to life, that voice would be silent. But on the third day, Jesus rose from the dead, proving He is the resurrection and the life. That death can't stop Him. 
that he has power over death. And in his resurrection, Jesus showed that his power to conquer death will never be extinguished. Death is done, defeated, knocked out, over. And his words of hope that he is the resurrection and the life are strong still today because death hasn't got Jesus yet. He is still alive and reigning in heaven and has promised to come again to judge the living and the dead and to raise the dead on that last day. It's because of Jesus we have hope in death. Not just words that make it sound better and not hurt as much. Not just a compassionate person who's going to get us through. We have someone who's beat it. And will beat it for us. This hope is connected to belief. Jesus makes that very clear connection. Hope must connect with belief. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. That we must believe Jesus has the power to raise the dead. We must believe that Jesus has that power because he is fully God. We must believe that he needs to use that power for us because we are going to die and not just physically die, but in a sense, a spiritual death of the wrath of God against us for our sins. And we needed Jesus to die for us to forgive us of our sins. And we believe that in rising from the dead, he shows that that forgiveness is secure. It is there. He has won that victory. And so Jesus asks, do you believe this? It's the question he put to Martha after saying those hopeful words. Now, Martha did not have all the information we have, but she answered yes. I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who had come into the world to save sinners. She believed in Jesus. Do you believe in Jesus? Because death is our enemy. We've mentioned this morning in prayer requests the death we are afraid of, the death that has happened, the death we are struggling with, and deep down there is that sense of my own as well. That we want hope in death. Martha wanted hope in death. We want comfort in death. But that must have substance in it. Many, many people believe that there is hope for them after death. Bunches of people, in fact. I've talked to plenty of people grieving their loved ones who have said they are in a better place. And it takes every ounce of social restraint in me to not bluntly ask, what makes you think that they're in a better place? Is it simply because you want it to be true? See, hopeful words do carry us through, but they need to be hopeful words with substance. And for we who believe in Jesus, we have reason for our hope in death. That we believe in someone who is more powerful than death. Someone who not just said, I am the resurrection and the life, but showed it on multiple occasions. And knowing that that hope is sure, that is what deep down comforts us in our sadness and anger. That one day this will be put right. 
And so Christ has conquered death for us and we share in His victory we who have been promised eternal life. But that promise is for those who believe. Do you believe this? If you do, take great comfort in the hope we have in Jesus. And share that hope with others who do not have it. For we do not want anyone to face death in fear. We want them to have the hope we share. If you do not believe this, then I pray that the Jesus who has the power to raise the dead would open your heart to believe. I would pray that you would no longer fear death, but that you would see Jesus as the one who has the power to raise all people from the dead. Because without Christ, there is no hope in death. He alone is the resurrection and the life. And we hold on to that. We hold on to that in faith, looking at that sure hope, longing for the day when Jesus will call our names. I love how it has been said by commentators throughout history, it's a good thing Jesus said Lazarus. Or else a whole bunch of people would have started coming out. One day Jesus will not have to say all the names. One day Jesus is coming to simply say it is time to come out. And to those who believe, we will come out to resurrection and life everlasting as He has promised. Let us pray. Oh God, we pray that You would give us that faith. Strengthen our hope in Jesus. Death is not something we should avoid thinking about for too long and eventually it will creep in and we will have to think about it. We can do our best to deny it. We can do our best to ignore it and push it further away. But sooner or later, we must consider it. And we thank You, God, that You give us good news of hope in death through Christ, our risen Lord. I pray, O Lord, that You would help us to be people who hold on to that good news and who are willing to share that the hope we have is certain hope built on things that have actually happened. And so may we be people who share that good news. And we pray many who do not know Jesus and do not have that hope would come to have it. We pray that many would be raised to eternal life, that we would spend eternity with them and with you, our Lord Jesus. Amen.